Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you are. Brandon Davies, you have consent. And don't forget to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel while you're here. All right, let's get into it. The two... The 2023-24 college basketball season gets underway in less than 24 hours on Monday. We're going to have games. That's the good news. The bad news, the schedule absolutely stinks. Uh And if I live to be as old as uh, Sister Jean, boy, wouldn't that be something? I'll never (laughs) understand. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. What are the odds on you making it to 100 and – what is she up to, 102? Oh, buddy. Like – we got a better chance of watching Purdue get upset in their opener than me making it to 102. Well, don't invoke anything Purdue related with an upset, but the, that, yeah, that might be at uh plus 300,000 there. Uh, yeah. There ain't listen, listen, I, I have a lot. I, I don't think there's any real chance that I could live to be the same age as sister Jean is right now. I also don't think I'd be interested in doing it. Although she seems like she's having a blast. Yeah, of course. I don't think at 102 I would be having a blast. It depends on what who you are at 102. That's that's yeah. But you make it to 102. Buddy, I ain't doing so well at 46. If you ain't noticed, (laughs) that's not the point. The point is this: if I live to be as old as Sister Jean, which we've established ain't gonna happen, I'll never understand why we have to start a season this way. Opposite Monday Night Football with zero games between ranked teams and just one blowout after another, probably on the schedule. There's got to be a better way to do this. So let's start here. Dead leg. Explain to me why we can't start the season better than this. All right. So listen, we got a lot of good, fun stuff to get to on this show. This is our first Sunday night show of the season. A reminder, we will be. Sunday night shows live every Sunday with the exception of one from now until the end of the season. We will not be doing, I'm just programming note right now. We're not going live Sunday night, Christmas Eve. Um, so every, and maybe, maybe not New Year's Eve. That's to be determined, but there's, there's no chance Christmas Eve. We will be allowed to do podcasts on Sunday night. So with that in mind, for those tuning in live on YouTube, we appreciate you. Um, and we have, there it is. It's back after an off season. It's back. Um, I don't know if we have opened our Sunday night episode every season the past like four years with this lament, but it's been happened. It's been happened multiple times and doesn't mean we shouldn't do it again. Uh, not exactly trying to play the hits. I wish, I wish this wasn't still um, something that we had to discuss, uh, but the reason why it's happening 
is you have maybe as quick on this as possible. You have coaches who are in charge of this. Okay. And if they wanted to go out and seek a matchup uh, between a, a, a really quality high major team. And, I, and this is, this is anyone from, you know, we've got a couple that are involved. And we're going to get to those games that are Monday, Tuesday, but every, everyone else from like a, like a John Shire to a Matt Painter to a Kelvin Sampson to a Danny Hurley to a Rick Barnes to a John Calipari up and down the line to a Kevin Willard to a Tommy Lloyd to a Mark few. I'm not saying these coaches, some of these don't schedule well non-con. Of course they do. The reason they will point to is, Hey, listen, our rosters and the opponents that we are facing have never been more. What the hell is going on with this whole situation than they are now. So you bet your ass. I'm going to schedule a game against a cupcake. The first time I have my team all together to play its first game at the ah! season. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I know. I agree. And what we used to have that we no longer have is, uh, and this is a weird year in terms of it's the season is like 154 days long for the calendar from tomorrow through the end of it. Uh, It's a longer season by one week because of how the calendar falls. So we're even starting one week longer this season. Um, We used to have the champions classic open the college hoop season on a Tuesday. Now it's now that's eight days away. So not optimal, not ideal. We, you know, um, so with all of that, yeah, you it's up and down, up and down the slate. Like it's it's obviously terrible. It's it's in the it's in the hands of coaches, and we need you know if you are if you are guiding a team that is projected to be top twenty five level um, for the betterment of the sport, I'd love if these coaches weren't so scared to just schedule one damn game a uh, 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 home road. If I got to accept a neutral, I guess I got to do it at this point. I'll take anything, but we've got like two, maybe three notable games in the first three nights of the college basketball season going up against Monday night football. And it's, 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 it's obviously a terrible deal for college basketball. This is a problem. The sport can't seem to fix and perish. Why is that? Because if you give coaches leniency and reason to not make the sport as good as it can possibly be, way more often than not, they are going to take the easy way out. Yeah, this should not be interpreted as any shot at any individual coach. I don't mean it that way. If I were a coach of a high major program, I might do the exact same thing, largely for the reasons you've already laid out. In addition to, I don't think my fans want to see me start 0-1. All right? So I I understand it from a coaching perspective. I just wish there was somebody or something that could make it undeniably clear. This is not good for the sport of college basketball. We don't need all of you playing interesting games on the opening day, but we do need some interesting games on the opening day. No other sport starts like this. Yeah, even and college, name another college sport football. That starts, kind of, I feel like college football, and it depends there's on some the big year. games on that opening weekend yeah, but every it's time. Not like, how about this year? This well, year, I'm not counting huge. the week zero when people just like, well, ran, three teams play on a Saturday. Nobody pays attention to that. That doesn't even matter. With that, I think we had Colorado at TCU, which was surprisingly good, and maybe one other good one. I, college football doesn't have this to the degree that college basketball has. In fact, college football, in my opinion, in the first like four weeks of the season, tends to, from a uh, from the ratio of the schedule to really good college football games, it feels like from a national appeal standpoint, sometimes it gets stuck with like two good games in the month of September. So I'm not going to say that college football doesn't also face this issue, but maybe not quite on the level that college basketball now has where, listen, love to be back here on a Sunday night previewing the season, but we 
have built a podcast and a show tonight that is going to be um, more big picture leaning than it otherwise should need to be because there's just not a ton of matchups and storylines to get to over the next 48 hours in this sport. On the what is actually like the real opening week of college football, we had Florida, Utah, two big brands. Solid. It's solid. Um, we had and TCU, Colorado. I think we had Colorado, it. TCU, and that was big because of the way it unfolded. We had North Carolina, South Carolina. Like yeah. that's at least two big rival programs against each other. Um, we had LSU, Florida State. That was obviously that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. And then on that Monday, we had Clemson, Duke. So like at there was the time, at least it wasn't at the time. I mean, that wasn't a major one. That was just we'll see. Yeah. So we ha- we do have some. Uh, that's again, I can't stress this yeah. enough. I don't need everybody to play a game that is interesting, but it would be nice if if somebody did, and give almost nobody did. Yeah, it's, give us two ranked matchups. Our first major matchup, GP, is not until Friday. Friday. Just, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, do you know how stupid it is to be like, woohoo! College basketball's here, and it's like, all right, I don't want to watch any of this except yeah. for maybe one game on Monday. Let me run you through it. 21 of the 25 teams in the AP top 25 poll are opening the season on Monday. None of them have a game against a fellow ranked opponent. And number 23, St. Mary's is playing a D2 school that I never heard of. All right. So we have 20 ranked teams playing games against division one opponents on Monday. Again, none of these games are ranked versus ranked. What do you think the average point spread is? Ooh. You ready for this? You did the you did the math? Of course I did. Trivia time. Okay, so this is this could be the first trivia time of the season that winds up being incorrect after the fact. Let's keep that in mind. This was based on when I pulled point spreads earlier today. Obviously, point spreads can change. Don't fact check me and think you're getting over. This is where the numbers were at the time. We have 20 games scheduled for Monday. The opening day of the college basketball season. 20 games featuring a ranked team against a Division I opponent. What do you think the average point spread in those games is? All right, so just for those 20. Yes. They're all D1 on D1 or no? D1, we have 20 games that feature a ranked team against a Division I opponent. 21 games featuring a ranked team, but St. Mary's is playing a D2 school. Can I get a – is it correct if I land within – give me a – Correct north or south of three points. I think that's okay, fine. All right. I'll say on average, give me the spread at <laughs> I'm gonna say twenty-three point five. Oh buddy. It's twenty-six. And that's a win. That's a that's bingo a, bango. That's a bingo bango. Also terrible. That's awful. You, uh, you I, I can make it even more awful if you'd like. The average point spread in these games. Ranked teams against Division One opponents on Monday is 26. There was only one point spread under 15. Oh. One. And that's number 21 USC minus two, two and a half against unranked Kansas State. Every other point spread featuring a ranked team against a Division One opponent is at least 15 and a half or higher. The average is 26. I hear people all the time. Coaches, analysts, anybody who talks about this stuff, talk about all the problems with college basketball. And they say things like, it's the transfer portal. It's name, image, and likeness. It's how the gap between the haves and haves nots is growing. Do you know what the biggest problem with college basketball is? If we're being honest, too many games are total mismatches that shouldn't even be played. If you want to know why, you know, people don't really pay attention to college basketball till January. Yes, some of that has to do with football. Some of it has to do with, you ready for this? 
the majority of good teams spend November and December playing most of their games as total mismatches. Now, I don't mean some. I mean most of the games featuring good teams in November, December, most as in more than half, are total mismatches. Two teams that shouldn't even be on a court against each other. Kentucky, for instance. I just pulled two of the biggest brands in the sport. Kentucky, this season, has 13 non-league games. Nine of them, nine of the 13 are against sub-100 Kimpom teams. Kimpom projects Kentucky as at least a 15-point favorite in eight of their 13 non-league games. And one of them, by the way, isn't even Louisville. I'll make that bet right now. I'll take Kentucky minus double digits against Louisville right now. But Kimpom only projects it, I believe, as eight because it's at uh, the Yum Center. Mm -hmm. So 62% of Kentucky's non-league schedule is just supposed to be blowouts. What, what, what are we doing? Duke has 11 non-league games. Seven of them are against sub-100 Kimpom teams. Kimpom projects Duke as at least 16-point favorites in seven of the 11 non-league games. 64% of their non-league schedule is supposed to be total blowouts. I didn't go through every team, but I bet you what you would find out if you went through all 25 preseason-ranked teams Roughly 60% of their non-league schedule is garbage. You're asking fans to pay attention to games that should be total mismatches, total blowouts. Why do you do that? For context, you ready for this? In the NBA on Saturday, there were zero double-digit spreads. Zero. Celtics minus nine and a half over the Nets was the biggest number on the board. On Sunday, today in the NBA, there's only one double-digit spread. Mavericks minus 12 and a half over the Hornets, I believe. That's it. In the NBA, almost all of your games are going to be single-digit spreads. In college basketball, in the pre, in the non-league portion of your schedule, if you're good, most of your games are supposed to be blowouts. That's that's the problem with the sport, and that's a byproduct of having 363 right. Division that's, One teams. It's 362, but yes, Kim Pom has it at 363. Uh, so I would argue I, with him. Uh, uh, are you sure about that? I'm. T- oh. You want to bring I'm up Ken sure Palm right anything. now? I'm not sure about anything at this point. Yeah, let's scroll down. I think it's 362 for this year. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. <sighs> what was it last year? It's 363. So we're moving in the right direction. <laughs> we're moving in the right direction. Cut off another 150. Cut off another 150, and I'll <laughs> be know. happy. Um, some of this is a problem that will never go away. Understandably so. Some of these teams are going to schedule buy games, play at home, make money. And they, you don't want to have a, a, an outright gauntlet where you're playing 30 games of quad one or quad two level. I, I get all that. Just we're asking, personally, I'm asking top 25 level teams to open, you know, 10 of you guys, take it upon yourself. Problem all is, these dudes sit around and talk about what's best. We got to do what's best for the sport. Yeah. Play somebody on opening day. I, that would be best for the this sport. This is a leadership void and no one can force these coaches and programs to do it. They have to do it of their own volition and some aren't scared. But a lot of these guys, they just want, they want to coach a game against a projected 14 win mid-major so that they can get an idea of what their rotations can be, how their guys fit. I, I get it. It's bad for the sport. Big picture. Fortunately, we have a couple of games that actually have some decent appeal and a couple of coaches that weren't afraid to do it. But this is really one of the bigger things that plagues the sport. Something tells me that, you know, we'll try and get Sam on the podcast here uh, before the end of the show, Sam Pacini. But I feel like even for a guy like Sam, there's only four games he's legitimately caring about in the first four days. And it's stuff like Auburn, Baylor, USC, K-State, maybe Georgia, Oregon, New Mexico, St. Mary's, which is like a mid-major special. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a big issue. And as as Russ from the Boneyard pointed out earlier in the show in the chat, women they have three games on Monday, opening day of the season, between top twenty five teams. And he said this is a uniquely men's college men's college basketball issue. And he is he is he is correct on this front, particularly in this season. In a season which, by the way, Zach Eady is still plenty big, but you can easily make the case that uh, Zach Eady is not the most famous player in college basketball. That would be Caitlin Clark for sure, and then maybe Angel Reese even outflanks Eady at this point. So uh, we love the sport. Can't wait for the season to get going. But there's still plenty of cosmetics that need to be attended to. And hopefully this is not something that we have to open next year's uh, season opener podcast with. But until I see change, I remain skeptical that won't be the case. Like you mentioned, there are at least at least two, probably only two, but at least two interesting games over the next two days. We'll get into those next, both of them. But first, a word from our partners. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are two, at least two interesting games over the next two days. Monday night, 10 Eastern, in Las Vegas, number 21 USC versus Kansas State inside T-Mobile. Then Tuesday night, 9 Eastern, in Sioux Falls, number 20 Baylor versus Auburn inside the Sanford Pentagon. So shouts, credit where credit's due, to Andy Enfield, Mm -hmm. Jerome Tang, Scott Drew, and Bruce Pearl for opening the season with something interesting. All coach, all all coaches should be so brave <laughs> and courageous. Yeah, and the way that the preseason polls broke down, unfortunately, n- neither of those two games are top twenty-five matchups because you've got Auburn on the outside looking in, Kansas State on the outside looking in. Both those fan bases, they have expectations that their programs, K State and Auburn, will occupy the rankings more weeks than not this regular season. We'll see if they can get it going. We'll break down those two games. I'm just going to give you the quick heads up here on other stuff that's like. Um, outside the margins, but you got Georgia versus Oregon, 4.30 Eastern, a true TV special on Monday afternoon. True TV season is already here. Georgia versus Oregon. I have a personal interest in that game because I picked Georgia to be a top 50 team to this skepticism of many. And then I will give, this isn't a game that has a lot of national zing to it, but in the Garden State, this is a great job by Steve Peichel scheduling Princeton, and they're going to play in Trenton. That's a 7 Eastern game. Get used to this, Big Ten fans. That is going to be a peacock tip. But meet Princeton coming off a Sweet 16 matchup, going against Rutgers. Good on Peichel for not dodging that. Really like to see that. Iona at Charleston is on Monday. That's a mid-major special. Both those teams coming off NCAA tournament appearances. Charleston still has to pout Kelsey there. Iona now has Tobin Anderson. And then if you want one more mid-major special, I'm not going to shrug these off. They don't have mass appeal, but I will be interested. Akron at South Dakota State could be representatives of their leagues in the 2024 NCAA tournament, both really good mid-major programs. Now let's get to the two biggies that you talked about there. 
We'll go with Monday first, and you've got USC versus Kansas State. On the USC side, there is no Bronny James. We don't know when he will return. His father has said he will return at some point, but there really is no expectation or timeline on when that could be. It could be in three weeks from now. It might not be until January or February, but LeBron did go on the record saying he's making his way back and has every single intention of playing this year. Obviously, he's going to need to get cleared by independent doctors in addition to everyone at USC. Isaiah Collier, we've talked about him plenty in the preseason. He is the number one recruit coming in for USC. I can't wait to see what he does in this game because I think from a physicality standpoint, he's got a tremendous advantage if you show Shows up as the player that I think he will be this season. He teams up with Boogie Ellis. That's a dynamic one, too. K-State coming off a wonderful first year under Jerome Tang. Unfortunately, unless something changes between now and tip time, not at full strength. And that's because Naquan Tomlin, who I expect to be a top three player on this roster, he is suspended indefinitely. Our fella got into a bar fight recently, and because of that behavior, and understandably so, Drum Tank said, I'm not here for any of this. We're going to sit you down. So my expectation is he will not be on the floor, which puts K-State at a further disadvantage. USC is the team that's ranked in this matchup, not K-State. Um, one more note on the Wildcats. Last year, of course, Marquise Noel, who took over the guard and became one of the best stories of the NCAA tournament, but was a good player well before that, obviously. He's gone, and now another diminutive lead guard enters Tyler Perry from North Texas. We'll see what kind of damage he can do. There's a lot of expectation. He's a good three-point shooter. Um, I talked to Jerome a few weeks ago, and he said, uh, we pretty much expect to have two point guards on the floor at all times. Our offense is going to need that. They've got Arthur Kaluma there, obviously not a point guard. The transfer in from Creighton will need to play pretty big. Uh, Cam Carter is a shooting guard who returns. Keep an eye out for him as well. It's an interesting matchup. Kansas State can obviously have a good chance to win, but if USC is going to be a noisy team this year for winning, then you show up in this game in Vegas and you get it done. You, you, you call your balls out. Maybe Boogie Ellis goes for 23, 24, 25 points. And you make a statement that we, we believe that we can be a national title contender. While this doesn't have super, super wide stream national mass appeal. I'm, I'm very, very into this game. And I want to see what both of these teams look like. Cause I actually think, despite having good reputations, GP, I think there's a decent amount of what exactly is this going to look like with both of these teams. And we get our first look on Monday. Yeah. I can't wait for this one. Like I hate Monday schedule. I love this game. Um, we get it's our first look at Isaiah Collier, five-star freshman. And then Tyler Perry, he's the reigning CUSA player of the year. Like Florida Atlantic, like dominated that league, but the player of the year in the league was the guy who's going to be playing for Kansas State tomorrow. And Jerome Tang, like he went out and did it again. This is another reason. Fans don't want to hear excuses from coaches. Like Jerome Tang inherited a bad situation. Went out and added transfers through the portal and took a team all the way to lead eight. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Do I remember that correctly? Correct, yes. I thought so. I thought yes. so. FAU beat K-State in the Elite Eight after K-State beat Michigan State in the best game of the 2023 NCAA tournament. That's the way I remember it. And then... uh you know, he loses his best players again because that's what happens sometimes in this area. Hey, I'm going to go out and get Tyler Perry. I'm going to go out and get Arthur Kluma. Like, he's getting it done. He's all, His head coaching career took too long to get here, but now that it's here, he's he's knocking it, uh, he's knocking it completely uh, out of the park. So I can't wait for that game. On Monday, I will, I will watch um, USC Baylor, uh, Monday Night Football, mm -hmm. and I guess the women's games. And that, that that's that's kind of, that's, that's it, my Monday. When you factor in the women's game, there's actually some women's games here. This is a Hall of Fame event. Uh, so there's a quadruple header that's happening in Vegas. Um, when you when you bring in the women's game as well, yes, there's uh, there is there's certainly still enough there. I'll also note, um, this is via K State Sports Information. It's the f it's the 
Fourth time in school history, K-State will open against a ranked opponent. The last time this happened was 99. K-State went and lost at Arizona. So not uh, it's not common that K-State opens against a ranked opponent. Also not common that K-State opens a game away from home. It's been a couple of decades since, uh, since the Wildcats opted to do this. Again, credit to Jerome Tang for doing that. The Wildcats are 4-1 and one all time against Southern Cal. The last time these two teams met was the 2008 NCAA tournament. And, uh, and we'll see what they can do. Also for USC, keep an eye on Kobe Johnson. I think he's a guy that's going to be a pretty important player for his role this season. Trojans also have DJ Rodman, son of Dennis Rodman, in the mix there. So that's... Uh, that's a very, very intriguing game. As for Tuesday... Hold on, hold on. I got, oh, a, I got an important question for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know any other Tylers named spelled T-Y-L-O-R? I do not. But that is how you spell Tyler Perry of K-State. You think it's always been that way? I want to check his birth certificate. I wonder if this is one of those deals where you go, I'm Tyler Perry, and then, then Tyler Perry becomes a thing, and you're like, I can't be just like that Tyler Perry. I'm going to have to change this E to an O. I... I, I I'm I bet you if I really that. dug in, I could find out that Michael B. Jordan hasn't always been Michael B. Jordan. It's just at some point he was like, I can't. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I can't be Michael Jordan. When I have Michael to be B. Jordan different. was on the wire, was he in the credits as Michael B. Jordan? That's Somebody needs to look that up. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I, I, I bet you. That's the move. Actually, you, I think it's you, working out pretty well for Michael B. Jordan. I feel like that was that was a necessary pivot, and, and it's he's only been better for it. Michael B. Jordan's doing great. You, t- you tell him like there was this I saw this clip on the Internet the other day and uh, it was these women. They're sitting around talking. You know, you know how women sometimes talk. So they're sitting around talking and uh, they were like, if you could if you could smash any famous Hollywood person, who would it be? All right. And the woman raised her hand. and She was like, Michael B. Jordan. So it's like, all right, that's a nice thing to hear about yourself. And then, you know what this other woman said? Johnny Manziel's ex-wife. You know what she said? She said, been there, done that. Okay. And I'm like, we got five beautiful women sitting at a table talking. One of them said, I would love to hook it with Michael B. Jordan. And the other one said, I already hooked it with Michael B. Jordan. Who's this better is, than Michael B. Jordan? This is your midday diet scrolling on the phone. Just so we're clear on this. I mean, all times of the day. All right. All right. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Anyway, I, I bet you Tyler Perry ain't always been OR. And I know Michael B. Jordan ain't always had that B. All right. File, file a FOIA request to K-State. We're going to look into this. Yeah, okay. We got to look into this. Okay, Tuesday night, Baylor-Auburn. Yeah. That's a game. I And actually, there's one more game. Do we Are we maybe on upset alert, slight one, 630 Eastern? UNC Asheville, reigning Big South champs at Michigan? Just saying. I don't know if yeah. Juwan Howard's, Juwan Howard's not going to coach in that game. Just Keep an eye. That's the other thing, but not having a lot of good matchups. Our next show is scheduled to be Wednesday morning. We might get an upset here. <laughs> when there's disaster that strikes, we're obviously going to be willing, wanting, able to uh, to address those. So with more of these games, there are more opportunities for really embarrassing losses. So we'll see if any of those happen. Uh, 9 Eastern ESPN is your Tuesday night matchup between Auburn and the 20th ranked Baylor Bears, who I have ranked top five in the country heading into the season. That is at one of Gary Parish's eight favorite venues in the country, the Pentagon um, there, at, uh, there in South Dakota. Uh, Auburn, how about this for a nugget for you? You ready for this little nugget? Yes. So Auburn... You have to go back to 2014-15. I refuse to go back to 2014-15. I'm forcing No it. chance I'm doing Let's that. Let's go. Let's go. That was right a rough now. one for me. The last time Auburn's first matchup with a top 40 Ken Palm opponent resulted in a Tigers win 
was 2014-15, meaning every single season since then, you got to face a top 40 opponent at some point, whether it's game one or game three or game seven, game 10, whatever. Auburn has lost. So Bruce Pearl's team, a little slow out of the gate against high-level competition as of late. And obviously, there have been some pretty good Auburn teams. Ironically enough, the 14-15 team wasn't good at all. I think it was a win over Xavier, I think, that season that they did it. So we'll see what they can do. Baylor's projected to be a better team. Um, I've been, I've been bullish on the Bears for three months now, but really in detail in the Big 12 episode, um, Ray J. Dennis, get ready to know the name, comes from Toledo, best player in the MAC last season, arguably, and I think he's going to explode in his role for for the Bears. Alongside Jacoby Walter, you get Jay Nunnan, VCU transfer, Eves Missy getting a lot. I mentioned this on a recent show too, Eves Missy getting a ton of buzz out of Baylor from the NBA scouts. We'll see how much run he gets, but a super talented stretch four type. Excited to see him. Walter's the more highly ranked prospect and he is expected to thrive. Oh yeah, by the way, they bring back Jalen Bridges as well and Everyday John Langston Love. I love this Baylor roster. I'm not as high on Auburn. Janai Broom is there. Obviously, Jalen Williams. Aiden Holloway is the freshman to know. Katie Johnson. It is an enter- entertaining matchup, and that's a great venue. It tends to give us some pretty intriguing non-con games that tend to be competitive there. And Auburn obviously has the coaching, the personnel to win this game. I'm expecting Baylor to win. But this is all we're asking for is like an all give us Auburn Baylor level kind of games instead of, instead of two in the first two days. Give us like six or seven of these in the first four days, and we'd be we'd be happy as all can be. As it is, this is really the only one that you can really build your Tuesday night around if you're uh, if you're eager and thirsty for the season to start. Um, I know we're not officially picking games. We're going to save that for the uh, final four and one on Friday. But I do like Baylor to win this one, and I'm interested to see just how good Baylor looks right away because I think I think their ceiling is sky high. Yeah, uh, a game on day two of the season featuring two final four coaches, one of whom has won a national championship, and two five star freshmen. In Jacoby Walter and Aiden Holloway, like that's that's good stuff. Like um, Tyler, I asked you. Didn't know any other OR Tyler's? I should say, uh, Mister Puck Monkey in the chat. Okay, reminds me, Tyler McGill. I watched him have so many spot starts for the Mets. He's a spot starter for the Mets. <laughs> there's another Tyler, but I still don't think there's many of them. Okay, well there you go. And I don't think there's a lot of them, and I'm not convinced Tyler. Uh, Tyler Perry used he used to be a I bet you if we well, look at birth certificate. Hey, new up. question. Aiden Holloway at Auburn. Do you know yeah. anybody my age named Aiden? Oh gosh. Don't you have a son named Aiden? That's the thing. I and it start now we look around. I have a 20-year-old named Aiden. There's an Aiden Holloway in college. There's an Aiden Mahaney in college. There is. Spelled differently than Aiden Holloway, by the That's way. That's right. I think I think there's a run on Aiden's directly tied to the Aiden character in Sex and the City, who was That's, a thing about 20 to 25 years ago. No clue. I'm, I'm out of my depth here. I think that's I think that's what I, happened. I think just like Jalen Rose, and then we had all these Jalens, Kobe Bryant, and then we had all these Kobe's, Aiden from Sex and the City, and now we got all these Aidens. So you're saying Jalen, Kobe, yeah. Shaq, of course, Shaquille. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have a lot of Shaquilles running around, do we? I guess yeah, we do. I'm sure we do. Oh, we All got right. a bunch. We oh, yeah. a bunch. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not oh, kidding you. It out. I no. was kidding you. I mean, yeah, you I was were. kidding you. Um, Reese in the chat says, Old Nace, oldest Aiden I know is like 17. You might have something here. I think I'm onto something. Gonna Boy, I think I'm onto a lot of stuff today. My bud Pablo Torre did the Jalen one. I'm going to have to get him on the Aiden case, see if he can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Who you got in the game, by the way? I'm, I'm going to ask you to make a, a pick. Not for the record. Doesn't count to the to the tally, but Auburn Baylor. Who are you going with? On any neutral court game, I'm just going to revert to the fi- uh, top 25 and one. I have Baylor ranked. I don't have Auburn ranked. I'll take Baylor over Auburn in a competitive game. This is Bryce, and I don't care. That's enough out of you, sir. <laughs> Let's get to some predictions. Hey, so I was at dinner earlier, and Deadleg sent me a very long text message of, hey, have a bunch of answers for these things. It's called producing and podcast prep. No, I know. I know. I'm not mad. I'm just saying I didn't get the text until I was already at dinner with the family. And so then I had a choice to make. Be a good husband and father no. or be a prepared podcast host. And what do you think I did? You already know. You already know. We'll, uh, we'll get into that next. My little pop quiz at dinner. But first, uh, a word from our partners. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, dead leg. Boy, you sent a long text message, and it was, I could either I could either focus on my children, or I could try to figure out who are the first-year power conference coaches who are going to make the NCAA tournament in year one at their new schools. I put maybe, the aside. Maybe you I focus your energy on, on your children at other times, like instead of scrolling through, seeing what five women are talking about, the, the celebrities they may or may not have encountered in an intimate way. How about that? Buddy, I don't mean to be misleading. When I do that, I do that with my children. Oh, okay. We okay. do that together. It's yeah, a family exercise. Just like five too, right? That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I got one of them. One's nine, one's six. I, you know. Eh, solid parenting. You, you, you bond however you bond. Okay. All right. So we got some predictions here. But as always, holding ourselves accountable, I'm going to flash back to a year ago. No, I don't oh, have an audio drop for this. Here were some preseason predictions that we got right and we got wrong. Mm. Over under 0.5 games canceled due to COVID. I took the under again. Paris took the over for the third straight. <laughs> I still believe in COVID. You don't believe in COVID. The third straight year, Paris. You ain't even had your fifth booster shot. I'm debating I bet. even putting in. You ain't even had your fifth shot. Season. We actually, and I can't, I can't give you the ones, but I know for a, for a fact, there was at least one game canceled to COVID last year because it got brought up on the show. And so it happened again. How, how many COVID shots have you had? <laughs> we cannot, I don't know. I've lost count at this point, I guess. I've had five. Four? I don't know. I've had five. You don't even believe in COVID anymore. Okay. That's why you All keep right. taking the under. Okay. I'll take um, the over. Hey, I'll take the over again right now. Okay. Here we go. Duke court storms under John Shire in year one. I set the over under at 1.5. I took the under. You took the over. Who do you think won? I hope me. You lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it here. Where is... Uh, you lose. Take that one. The only fan base to storm the floor on Duke last season was... Your Clemson Tigers. Yep. Sounds like something Clemson would do. Duke lost games on the road because this was a thing that happened more times than not when Mike Krzyzewski was there and now, now Shire takes over. 
and these fan bases couldn't give an F. Um, Duke lost a neutral. The neutral is not going to happen. So they lost a neutral to Kansas and Purdue. They lost at Wake. Didn't storm the floor. Lost at NC State. Nope. Lost at Clemson. Did. Virginia Tech, no. Miami, no. Virginia, no. When did so, Virginia Tech get so good they can't storm the court on two? They didn't. And it was a three-point finish. Like, there was... Hunter Couture stole the ball in the closing seconds. Duke couldn't even get off I the can final st- shot. I can still see the fans storming the court at Virginia Tech after a win over Duke. And Dick Vitale on the yeah. headset with Seth Greenberg. And he's like, you're going to the NCAA tournament. And they didn't do it. You remember this. They did not go. He tried to put him in. Try to put them in. Two and a half weeks left of the season. <laughs> they were a bubble team. You could ju- you 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 know Jerry Palm's watching that. Like they're not in. Oh. They're not in yet. You know you know Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm couldn't. They were so frustrated by that gesture. So we were one on one there. Yeah. Next one we both lost. Okay. The last, and we will get to this one too. Last undefeated team to fall. Would it happen before or after? January 1st. This is a half right, half wrong. We both said it would happen after January 1, and it did. My team was TCU, which lost its third game <laughs> of the season. Hold on. There's more. TCU lost at home to Northwestern State. Oh, come on. To Northwestern State. Brutal. They're not good. GP had Houston, which made it to 9-0, lost December 10th to Alabama. Trivia time. Who was the last undefeated team in men's college basketball last season? The chat hold off. I don't want GP looking. Who was the last? Uh, I they I would have been say, in your top twenty-five and one. I got a figure. I want to say this? Purdue. No, I am going to give you. Let's see if you can get in three guesses. That's okay. guess one's wrong. Not from a Big Six conference. Oh, was it? Um, was it? It wasn't Charleston. It was not. I, I'm taking that as a guess because if it was, I would have given it to you. No, that was just me thinking out loud. That was me thinking out loud. Of course it was. Okay. You don't know any Aidens that are older than me. Okay. Um, Oh, I think I got it. New Mexico. Boom. I got to get an answer right on the board. I'm going to try and get that by the next show. Yes. Correct. 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 You got it done. And buddy, that went the wrong way, didn't it? It, how about that? So great pull. New Mexico got to 14 and 0, was the last unbeaten team, lost on January 4th, did not make the tournament. Pull to Clemson. Pull to Clemson. Yep. Um, I predicted single digit seeds from 2022 that wouldn't make it in 2023. I went five for six. LSU didn't make it. I was right. Murray State, bingo. Wisconsin, nope. Colorado didn't get there, Seton Hall. But the one that I said wouldn't get there that I was way wrong on, that would be Marquette. <laughs> Two seed. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, coaches that will make the tournament in year one at their new school. This is from a year ago. Okay. I said Shire will get there. Willard at Maryland. Sean Miller. Yep. I said Todd Golden would do it at Florida. <clears throat> Kyle Neptune. No. So we're going to ask those again. So that's from a year ago. Okay. Here are some big picture predictions for this season. Let's go with those first-year coaches in big six leagues. I'm going to set the over-under at 1.5 coaches. There were a dozen, I believe, that were hired this past season. Who's going to make the tournament in their first year at a big six school? I'm taking the over. I knew you would. I'm going to fly right over that over. What do you got? You got to name the coaches. That's That's no problem. Okay. Rick Pitino. Yes. At St. John's. Kim English. At Providence. I figured you might go there. Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech. Look at you. 
Maybe Chris Beard at Ole Miss. No, maybe. It's a yes or a no. Okay, I'm going to say no to Chris Beard, yeah. but I, he's capable of proving me wrong. I want that on the record. I know it. I don't need no Ole Miss fan talking about, you didn't think Chris Beard could get him to that. I, I think he can, but I got to draw a line somewhere. And I will note, GP lives within driving distance of Oxford. Could be factoring into his decision-making. I won't be surprised if they get there, but I'll say no for now. Question. I need some clarity. This is a great one. I'm going to say he does not qualify. because I Rodney Terry this. a first-year coach? I don't think so. Now, he is technically under full-time this season, but he literally was the head coach and t- took Texas to the tournament last year. I am not including him in the calculation. Okay, that's fine. So, then we'll, But we both, we both believe Rodney Terry will be in the NCAA tournament. We'll both yes. set him over here. I'll go Rick Pitino, Kim English, Grant McCaslin. I'll go three with a possibility of four. I'm going one. I'm saying Rick Pitino is the only one that doesn't. Oh my God! When did you stop believing in Kim English and Grant McCaslin? They're gonna yeah, we cover they're this gonna hate previous. to hear this. We covered this. If this is all nude, if you're just if you're the type of, type of fan, we'll take any listener anyway, anyhow. But if you are just getting back in because the season's starting, uh, GP has addressed all that, and so have I on previous episodes. I hate all the coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't even know hey. how you're not blocked by half the Next. half the industry. Yeah, you know. Listen, you gotta you gotta do what you think is right and and make the predictions that are closest to what your your mind and your heart are saying. With that being said, let's get a little negative here. Single digit seeds from the 2023 NCAA tournament that will not dance in 2024. I'm going to give you mine first. Before I give you mine, how many do you have before you identify yours? I was scrolling through dinner. Yeah. I might have missed some, but I've got two for sure. Oh my gosh! Can you can you actually grow a spine and not be afraid to to, to make some predictions for teams to go badly? I have seven. You have well, two, and I'll tell you who I agree with. Okay, in no particular order, my seven are West Virginia. I had them. Iowa. Ooh, you don't believe in Fran McCaffrey? Auburn or Brian Ferentz? That's right, Auburn. Xavier. Auburn? That's right. You don't have Auburn? I they don't. Have Broom and, and, Listen, Aiden, and they have an Aiden. Here's the deal. There are and a broom. every single year. I know it's hard to forecast. In fact, we're going to get to this on another prediction in just a second. But I have West Virginia, Iowa, Auburn, Xavier, Indiana, Arkansas, and Indiana. Northwestern as single-digit seeds from oh, the 2023 wow. NCAA tournament that will me? not make the NCAAs in 2024. I'm bound to be wrong. Whatever. We're just making silly predictions. I can't wait to watch the games. Indiana? That was my closest. My closest shaves were Indiana and Arkansas. Yeah. Indiana. I know Indiana hasn't finished top 25 at Kempom since 2016. I'm aware. But that is still. That's still, in most people's opinion, the second best program in the state. I know. I said on a previous show, I got them either going to Dayton or one seed in the NIT. I'm, I'm leaning <laughs> NIT, but I got a, I got a, one of my oldest buddies um, is an Indiana fan. <laughs> he texted me yesterday. He goes, after seeing their, tw- this is unprompted. Doesn't even, does loves Indiana hoops, does not listen to the show. After seeing their 2023 exhibition scores, I regret to inform you that the experts are wrong. Indiana will be the number one ranked team by late November. Timestamp this. So there you go. I just, I mean, you must have, listen, Indiana, did Indiana underachieve? last season relative to preseason expectations. Yes. Have they underachieved relative to preseason expectations every year under Mike Woodson? Yes. But that don't mean they'll do it again. 
All right, so you got him in, which is a which is a wonderful plot twist. For this I, show. I, they they everybody tells me Indiana's a blue blood program, right? I assume blue blood programs are going to go to the NCAA tournament. I also assume blue blood programs are going to finish top twenty five at Ken Palm more often than not, as opposed to zero times since two thousand sixteen. So I ain't saying I ain't never been wrong before. All right, yes, I might be wrong again, but if my biggest sin is believing in a blue blood program, then you know what. I'll stand on that. Okay. So what are your teams? Name them. I know West you've Virginia West Virginia and Northwestern. That's it. You're such a coward. I mean, honestly, there are going to be more than two teams that were single digit seats that don't make the tournament in 2024. Let's go. Come on. I was trying to have dinner with my family. Maybe I couldn't play it, pay as close attention. West Virginia and Northwestern. That's sure. it. You've always hated Chris Collins. All right. Next. Two preseason top 25 teams. This is the AP top 25 mm-hmm. that you think are most likely not to make the NCAAs. Quick little history lesson here. Here are the past four years of preseason AP top 25 teams that did not make the NCAA tournament. Last year, number one, Carolina. Number 16, Nova. Number 21, Oregon. Number 22, Michigan. Number 24, Dayton. Number 25, Texas Tech. We had six of them last year. Year before that, number 13, Oregon. Number 20, Florida State. Number 21, Maryland. Number 23, St. Bonnie's. And number 25, Virginia. We had five that year before that. 2020, weird COVID year. But nevertheless, we held a tournament. Number 9, Duke. Number 10, Kentucky. Number 18, Arizona State. And then although there was not a 2020 NCAA tournament, according to the Ken Palm projections and bracket, uh, bracket forecast, in the 2019-2020 preseason AP Top 25, these teams that were ranked then were not projected to make the tournament. Number nine, North Carolina, number 14, Memphis, number 19, Xavier, number 23, Purdue, and number 25, ECU. That's five teams. I'm merely going to ask you for two. Mm-hmm. Recent history suggests we will get at least three. More distinctly, we have the chance for four. Even beyond that, GP, every single one of the past four years, it has been a team ranked 13th or better. So give me two. Okay, I'll take three. Personally, I want you to take three. And then if you're two or not within the top 13, you have to give me your most likely team in the top 13 because it's happened four years in a row. Okay. That's a lot. That's a, you're asking an awful lot. That's your, your damn right. On, Season's on, here. Let's go. On the opening night of, of the season. All right. I don't know if you know, but um, I don't know if you picked up on this. Let's go. But I, I am the AP poll. <laughs> you are not. I spend the entire offseason doing the top 25 and one. And then the AP voters have to jump on and submit ballots. And hey, this might surprise you, but do you know what the AP top 25 poll is? is it, it is 25 te- teams that are also in my top 25 and one. The only exception, I have St. John's. Of course. And the top 25 poll does not. But 25 of my 26 teams are in the AP top 25. So. This exercise, I just got to go look at my two lowest non-St. John's teams in the top 25 and one. Terrible. And those are Alabama and Villanova. So I've got Alabama and Villanova, I guess, is the most likely top 25 teams to, to not make the NCAA tournament. All things considered, the ways things might go sideways, you know, you know, the team might be trending in a weird direction in the past year or two. You don't have to pick your lowest ranked teams. You, yes, I do. My mind cannot compute anything other than that okay then to that note are you going to pick if you got it 
we've had a team 13th or better four years in a row not make it. Are you mm-hmm. going to pick whatever team you have 13th to be that candidate that's most likely to do it? No. Okay. So who would you pick in the top 13 that you could say, you know what? If we're going to misfire on one of these teams, here's the one for whatever reasons why I could see it just not working out for them. I don't even want to say this. Say it. Let's go. I'm not even comfortable saying this. It's time to get uncomfortable. But I think if you're being smart about it, this would be the team you would identify. Make me proud right now. Florida Atlantic. Correct. That's right. That's the team. And you know how it happens. Here's how it happens. They take some non-league losses, and then they can't make up for it in the league, and then they get bounced by Memphis in the conference tournament championship game, and they don't have an at-large resume. Certainly possible. Um, That's the way. I'm not predicting it, but that's how it would happen. Pomeroy recently, uh, he published something over on a Substack a few days ago that basically looked into the history of teams that were preseason top 10, but had not occupied a spot at any point in any week in the previous five seasons in the top 10 of an AP top 25 poll or the coaches poll and how those two, how those teams did traditionally. And um, it was, it was hit or miss. But the teams that were outside the power conference structure that found themselves in that position, and he went all the way back to the expansion of the tournament uh, to 64 teams in the mid-80s. Um, that's where teams tended to be more vulnerable than not. Now, you had plenty of instances where those teams uh, did wind up finishing top 20-ish. But if you are going to fade FAU, history suggests it's more likely than not that it's, after not five years in a row, and with FAU, it's even longer than that, never established itself as a top 10 team in the eyes of voters. Now it's there heading into a season the history would suggest it, it might not happen. So objectively speaking, FAU would be the most likely candidate. My teams in general, and I forced myself to pick three. Um, I have, you know, I'm ready for Arkansas to prove me wrong, but Arkansas is the team that I have lowest that's ranked highest. So Arkansas would be the team that I have to pick in that instance. I could see it. North Carolina, you know, North Carolina and didn't go so well last season. We'll see how much this roster changeover winds up mattering or not. So I think North Carolina, it's not outside the realm of possibility that things go sideways again. Um, again, you are always going to have preseason ranked teams that aren't making the tournament. So we're just trying to identify those. And then Alabama was my third pick on that. Um, if forced to pick three, but let's be real. Kentucky, it's not unthinkable. We've seen it happen recently. Uh, Texas, I can't really see it happening, but you know, the, did just, you know, now Rodney Terry is easing into that job. It's not unthinkable. Villanova, are they going to get back on the right on track? Not unthinkable. And then, although I expect this team to be the best team in this league, like if San Diego State wound up not doing it, recent history suggests that teams outside the power conference structure that get into the preseason top 25 are especially vulnerable at not doing it. So um, I don't expect it to be the case with the Aztecs, but nonetheless, there are some candidates. We're going to almost certainly see at least two, but three, four, even five is, is, not outside of the question there. Um, next one. Mm. Oh, by the way, I got one more. Miami. I think they're going to get there. Uh, predictives are not heavy on Miami. Voters are. There's a big discrepancy there. Wouldn't be unthinkable, but I'm, I'm big on the Canes. All right. How many at-large bids to teams outside the six big high major conferences? Recent history for you. Last season, there were five. In 2022, retroactively giving the American Athletic Conference power conference status, which I did, there were six, not even counting American Athletic Conference at-large teams. So last year was five, year before was six. The two tournaments before that, 2021 was four, and then the 2019 NCAA tournament was four. I'm going to set the over-under at 4.5 at-large bids to non-big six programs. What's your number? Under. We only have, we have, we, as you noted, we had seven power conferences. Now we have six. I'll get, 
an at-large from the WCC. So let's say Gonzaga wins the automatic, St. Mary's gets an at-large. Florida Atlantic wins the automatic, Memphis gets an at-large, or vice versa. And then I'll get a second team from the Mountain West, and that'll do it. So you're going four? Three. Three. Ooh. One from the WCC, one from the American, one from the Mountain West. Don't have that in front of me. I would think that ties a record if it is that anemic. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a tournament with two or fewer at-large bits in the 64-plus era. Um, we'll see. I'm going to go, you know, hopeless romantic here. I'm actually going to say six because I'm going to say... Six? Yeah, I'm going to say six. Um, I'm going to say the American gets one. I'll say the A-10 gets one. The West Coast gets one. Mark me down for another random league. Maybe the Missouri Valley gets one. Remember when we did two bit Southern? Two bit SoCon, baby. Made it happen. And then I'm give me three out of the Mountain West. That gets me to six. It's an aggressive one. We did have six just two years ago. So um lots yeah. changed in the past two years. Uh, it's, you're, not, you're not wrong about that. Um, I don't know if you've been paying the right side of it. A lot has changed in the past two years. I know. You've got <laughs> you've got three. I've got six. All right. Last undefeated team. Oh, buddy. I went and looked at the schedules of every team ranked in the preseason AP top 25. This feels harder to forecast than ever before. Nope. I've got it. Okay. Give me uh, cause I got two candidates. Um, and trust me, they are quasi off the board, but give me your team and, uh, what date is going to lose last time, un- last time beating the entire country. I did not remember who I said for this last season. It was Houston, and you made it to 9-0. and Again, I picked TCU. They did not get to Game 4. I'm going to Houston again. I They were in my like top four candidates. Yeah. They, they have at Xavier on December 1st. That could obviously get tricky. They've got Texas A&M on December 16th. That could be tricky. Yes. I like A&M to win the game. That's why I didn't pick Houston. But I've got them starting the season... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They're they're in the Charleston Classic, so you got to figure those in, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're the best team there, so I got them winning that. So we're basically looking at one, two, three, four, and zero in the Charleston Classic, then five and zero, then six and zero, then back to your schedule. 7 and 0, 8 and 0, 9 and 0, 10 and 0, 11 and 0, 12 and 0, 13 and 0, 14 and 0, 15. I've got them 15 and 0 headed to TCU on January 13th. And that's where they take their first loss. Wow. Okay. So we are going, you're going after after January 1 again, yeah. which is a safe bet. More more years than not, that does that does wind up happening there. Okay. Um my number two nominee for this, and I think this would actually be kind of a fun little story if it winds up happening. Because uh, I, li- I love the team's talent, and I think it's got a chance. And if I look at its schedule, I think it's manageable. Um, this isn't my pick. This is my second pick. It's Colorado. Colorado, its only road game in non-con is at Colorado State, which will be tough. CSU could be a borderline tournament team. It plays in something called the Sunshine Slam, and it gets Richmond, and then it will either play UNLV or Florida State. Neither of those teams being projected to make the NCAA tournament. And Colorado brings in its best recruit, Ever. It's Jalen Williams, who plays for OKC, former Santa Clara star. His younger brother is coming in and is a top five recruit there, and he's going to be awesome, but uh, probably won't be the best player on the team. Tristan De Silva, I expect to be that. So Colorado, I think, actually has 
And if Colorado in men's basketball, if we look up on Christmas and it's got zero losses or one loss compared to the football teams now um, kind of crumbling after all that, all that hype, that would be a kind of a fun little plot twist there, but that's not my pick. I picked a team that I have top 15 in the country. It does not have a super, super tough away game. Although GP might, uh, might want to stand up on that because there's a roadie at Memphis in there. I'm going to say Tony Bennett's Virginia Cavaliers beat Florida on a neutral this week. <laughs> can I, after going, after not getting to game four with TCU last year, can I not get to game three with Virginia this year, by the way, they get Wisconsin on a neutral, uh, in, in uh, in Florida, they have a and at home, the home game, JPJ arena. I like them there. And then like their roadies are at Notre Dame on December 30th and at Memphis on the 19th. I think they get picked off. January 6th at NC State, and that's their first loss. So that would get them to, I think, 12 and 0, maybe or so, 13 and 0 when you factor in the MTE. Um, there are so many landmines for teams that are in the AP top 15 uh, because there's a, there's a couple of really good MTEs. There might well be a team that emerges, but there's not, as GP can tell you, because he undoubtedly looked through this as well over dinner with this. Didn't with even this eat dinner. Didn't even really Didn't eat. Didn't even eat dinner because you're looking through the non-cons of, right. uh, of all these teams. It's it's hard to say with confidence that there's really any team that you would feel super heavy on getting even to mid-December without a loss. It's a fun little thought experiment. Virginia is officially my pick. I believe in Kelvin Sampson. He's Colorado. Here's the problem with Virginia. It's not a problem. It could be Virginia. Who knows? But um, they are projected underdogs, according to Ken Palm, against Wisconsin. And then again, at Memphis. Yeah. They're going to have to win two games. Ken Palm says they ain't supposed to win. Tony Bennett against Wisconsin. You know, native there. Played at Green Bay. I like them. If they win that game, they either play West Virginia or SMU in the in the championship. So I, I like their chances there. Um but again, I'm I'm higher on Virginia the most. I'm higher than on Reese Beekman the most. I think he's going to be a dynamite two-way player this season. Um, let's get some Zach Eady over-under action here. Last season, Zach Eady averaged... Did I put this in the text? I don't have it on my doc. I got it. He averaged 22.3 points, 12.9 rebounds. You add it up, that's 35.2. So last year, Zach Eady's combined average of points and rebounds was 35.2. That's pretty monstrous there. But with the idea that maybe his teammates will be supplying a bit more points. I am setting the over under on Zach Eady for 32.0 points. End of season average points and boards combined. What are you taking over? Give me the number. It was 35.2 last season. And that was statistically one of the great seasons. It's asking a lot for him to match that. I agree. What'd you set the over? What'd you set the number at? 32.0. I'll go 33 over, barely. Okay, I got 32.9, which means I'm... A oh, choker. I want to put a decimal. I want to do a decimal. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, 33.2. 33.2. 30, yeah. So I got a Price is Right chance at uh, winning this thing. Okay. We both like it over. Um, I don't know if he'll score... Uh, his point average might drop a point or two. I'm expecting the, the help around him to be a little bit better. All right, another over-under season long. Armando Baycott. Two seasons ago, he had 31 double-doubles. Tied David Robinson for the all-time single-season record, I believe. Last year, it was a drop-down. He had 19. Um, so I'm going to set the over-under for Armando Baycott double-doubles at 20.5. 
for this season. Our preseason All-American, the guy we had at number two on our top uh, 101 players list there. You going over or under 20.5 double dubs for Baycott? Over. He should average a double-double for, I believe, the third straight year, and he'll get over 19. My number is 23 when he calls it a career at the end of the season. What's your number? 22. Okay, there we go. Gonzaga Hmm. has made eight straight Sweet 16s, which ranks among the longest streaks in the history of the sport. Mark Few does not uh, have a team that is loaded and considered to be a national title contender this season, although... Gonzaga has a way of uh, of working into the top five of the polls and getting it done there. Will Gonzaga make a ninth straight Sweet 16, yes or no? Bennett. I mean, Bennett. I just called you Bennett because I'm, I'm so used to talking to my producer, Bennett. <laughs> All right. Good times. Okay. Let's go. Dead leg. So I, don't, should, 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 yes. I don't know how familiar you are with Guns N' Roses catalog. A decent, decently familiar, yes. But once upon a time, Axel Rose said nothing. Nothing lasts forever. Even cold November rain. And if we were updating that song in 2023, we why might you, have to. Why don't you go ahead and sing it? Nothing lasts forever. Even Gonzaga's sweet 16 streak. And we both know rosters change. <laughs> Nothing lasts forever. Even Drew Timmy's enrollment. Suddenly picturing Anton Watson in a music video from 1990. Don't you think that you need somebody? Don't you think that you need someone? Everybody needs somebody. You got Grammy K. You got Grammy. Don't you think that you need somebody? That's a nice way to close a long song, though, by the way. <sighs> okay. It's a good way to close a long song, I think. Need some time on your own. Oh, don't you think you need some time on your own? And Mark Few's like, no, I don't need time on my own. I need time with Drew Timmy again. Mark Few running out of the church. Give me <laughs> Drew Timmy back. Running after Drew Timmy. Yes. That's a hell of an image. Oh, man. Drew Timmy not in not in college basketball this season. I quadruple fact check that before the pod. It's a damn shame. He had one more year of eligibility, too. You say no. Well, he got he and he got cut like. You know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure he's doing all right, though. I'm serious. Just fine. We yeah. agree. Yeah. I, I'm going to say it ends this year. I take, again, eight in a row is outrageous. Eight Sweet 16s, you know, it's just two games, but compounded over roster change, all this stuff to win eight times in a row to get Sweet 16. No one else is the next closest streak, I think, is like three years. So, but I'm going to say it ends this year. I'm going to say no. GP agrees. I don't want to agree. I don't take any pride in that. But I didn't grow up listening to Axl Rose just to forget everything you taught me. Nothing lasts forever, dead leg. The four previous title-winning UConn teams failed to make the Sweet 16. Will this team meet the same fate? No. UConn's going to the Sweet 16. Does it end there? I mean, who knows? Okay. I'm going to say 
this team breaks the streak. I'll say UConn dodges a scare in the first weekend and they make the Sweet 16. And they get knocked out in the regional semis. That's my pick. Yeah, I believe in I believe in the Huskies. I like I'm not saying they can't win the national championship because like obviously like you know they can. I don't think they'll go back to back, but I do think they'll go back to back Sweet 16s. How about this? I think they'll be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, and that should that should turn them into a Sweet 16 team. Knocked out by which one seed? FAU. You got them out number four overall. You got FAU yeah. knocking off UConn in the Sweet 16. It, the title game we should have had. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? That would be a nice little plot twist there. A couple more here. Yay or nay, a high major coach is fired before January 22nd. I picked January 22nd because in a season that is 154 days long, that is the midway date. How about that? Yes. Unfortunately, I will agree and say yes. I'm Who not, will it be? Yes. Let's get real. Let's get, hey, let's get into it. Well, here are the five names Parrish put on the hot seat heading into the season per his article that he refused to tweet out recently. Mm-hmm. I see you. Brad Brownell at Clemson, Johnny Dawkins at UCF, Mike Hopkins at Washington, Jared Haas at Stanford, and of course, Kenny Payne. Here's the problem with all those guys. I don't think there's any appetite to do that at Clemson with Brad. First, Brad Brownell has been thriving on the hot seat for this dude is the best. Okay, you don't understand. He's been on the hot seat list three straight years. No, seriously, seven. He lives on the hot seat. What's it like to live on the hot seat? We should actually talk to him about that. I did, and I wrote about it last season. Thanks, bud. You like went on the record with me. It was yeah, like but I mean, we should talk to him about it and then write something that can be read in six minutes or less. Hey, well, you know what? Top of the court report. I got you out in six and a half, I think. <laughs> I, I'm pretty confident on that. But yeah, in all seriousness, like I did talk to him about that because heading into the last season, the midseason, like, you know, it's, it's phenomenal what he is capable of doing. Okay, it's, so he, here's my thing. I don't think there's any appetite to do that with Brad. Plus, they might be okay. Right to get fired by January twenty second, you've either got to be really bad or the cops had to get called. You know, generally speaking, one of those two things tends to be. True. You got to be really bad, or the cops got called. So I don't think there's any appetite to do it with Brad, and I don't think they'll be bad enough to get that done. Does Stanford even care enough to fire a coach midseason? Stanford firing Jared Haas before the end of the season would stun me. Yeah, they just don't care. I mean, if they cared, they they'd have to be like. Three and fourteen, and yeah, even I then, so I, so I don't think Stanford cares enough. I don't think it'll happen at Clemson. Would Washington do it? What's the point? Mm, Just let it play out. See, and I kind of like Washington to pick off like a couple big wins in the Pac-12 this season. Okay, uh, why would you fire Johnny Dawkins in the middle of the season? No matter how bad it goes, people expect it to be bad. Like yeah, you're, you're, the, the expectations uh, yeah. are bad. I was highly respected, dude. Yeah, and people like him. If this, if yeah, again, we're talking. The one it should be, if it's going to be any of them, is Kenny Payne. But I don't know that there's an appetite to do that to an alum who also doubles as the first African American head coach in men's basketball program history. I don't think he'll get to year three, but I don't know that he'll get got before the end of year two. It could be someone off the board here. Again, we are going high major coach, so one of the six biggest conferences. Fire before January 2022. I would, uh, January 2020, 22nd. I don't want to see this happen. We have had this happen, I think, for the past five years. We have seen one termination at this level for one reason or another. Um, so recent history suggests that it would happen. Um, so I, I lean yes. But let's play the games and see how, it, uh, see how it goes. My last one. 
Well, Dusty May be coaching FAU one year from tonight, November 5th, 2024. Is Dusty May the head coach of the Owls or is he somewhere else? Somewhere else. I, I agree. I think he will be somewhere else. Uh, I say that thinking that FAU will get to the tournament and there will be a job opening that is good enough where the offer is lucrative enough that it pushes them. But I, I, I put this at, I put this at like 55, 45. I'm not ultra confident that everything will perfectly align. Um, but we'll see. Dusty may never seriously considered any job opening this past season. Uh, That's because he had five starters from a final four team back. Like we don't have to lie to each other. It's not, it's not like, I can't leave Florida Atlantic. It's like I can't leave this team. And then, yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't an, an awesome an awesome. Opener. Yeah, I, what I think is this team is going to be good enough, even if it doesn't meet my expectations. They're not going to be bad. All right, they're, they're, you're going to look up in the league and they're like sitting there at like how many league games do they play? What? I mean, American? Like, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's a 20 game schedule, but I don't know. I want to say it's 18. Let Maybe it is. I hope it's 18. But yeah. it's 18. Okay. So you're going to look up in late February and Memphis and Florida Atlantic are both going to be like headed toward 14 and four, 15 and three type league records. So Florida Atlantic's going to win a lot of games. They won't be bad. Uh, we'll see if they, how they do in the non-league to make sure they have set themselves up to have an at-large resume. If they need it, they're not going to be bad. So they're going to be two good years in a row. Dusty's going to be like the hottest quote, mid-major coach in America and some big jobs are going to open. Like Louisville's probably going to open. Um, you know, you just you just told me Indiana is going to miss the NCAA tournament. It won't open if that happens. I'd be surprised if that was the case. They fire coaches all the time at Indiana. I don't think that's going to happen though. They all get the, every coach at Indiana gets fired. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, there ain't no uh, other way out of there. Okay, they all get fired. And are you telling me Blue Blood Program misses the NCAA tournament after finishing three games back of their in-state rival a year earlier and underachieving? That's if it's hey, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's safe, but like Blue Blood Program should be missing the NCAA tournament. Dead leg. You got him in. I do have him. I believe in him. I just assume all Blue Blood programs go to the NCAA tournament. We're running long, but I got to get to this because I'm fascinated by this. All right. So Parrish, as always, mm -hmm. releases a top 25 and one the day after the national championship game. Yep. Here we are at the start of the season. It's not the same now as it was then. So how much has changed over the past seven months? You know what? Sounds like you might know a little bit of a... A music bumper to, to wrap the show here? Here we go! How many teams do you have ranked now that you did not have ranked the day after the title game? I don't know. Let's say six. Oh, buddy! Right on the money. Exactly that? six. It was just a guess. Good job. Question two. I'm a good guesser, though. What's the highest ranked team you have now that was not in your initial ranking on April 5th? Okay, let me call up top 25 and one, the most recent example. They were always there. They were always there. These teams have always been there. Always been there. Always been there. Always been there. Is it? Is it North Carolina? It is not. Hmm. 
Hmm. You went down to North Carolina at 22. That's right. North Carolina is the third team. You did not have 20th ranked Texas ranked the day after the title game. And you did not have the 12th ranked USC Trojans in your top 25 and one. Oh, yeah, that's that's the one. There you go. Inversely, who was the highest ranked team on April 4th that you no longer have in your top 25 and one? Hmm. I don't know. I don't even have a list to look at in front of me. I know. True or false? The team was in your top 10. I'll say true. And then they must have lost a bunch of guys to the draft or something. On April 4th, 2023, Gerald Parrish at the UCLA Bruins, number nine. They are nowhere to be found in his top 25 and one on the eve of this season. They lost a lot of fellas. That's a hell of a drop, though. They lost a lot you of did fellas. That, you did that to Mick Cronin. I know, but I think I at the time I had a, I had Dinger. Amari Bailey projected back. You did it to the greatest coach in the history of UCLA. The disrespect. Hey, I might end up having to pay for that. You will. I might. Let me see who else I had projected back, and then they just didn't come back, and that screwed everything. Oh, I think I maybe had Jalen Clark back, and he's Amari gone. Bailey black back. He's gone. Yeah. I think they just lost too many guys. Fun little nugget. The only team in the exact same ranking on November 5th mm-hmm. as April 4th. St. Mary's is static. 21 then, number 21 now. Every other team has moved at least one spot. Which team had the largest movement but didn't fall out or jump in, so has remained in your rankings the entire time? It's Alabama. No, Alabama was out for a minute. Oh, okay. Well, they're they're in now. So they were as good as seven. And now they're 26. Yes. Yeah. So 19 spots is the most of any team that was ranked in April 4 and is now back in it's it's in the poll as of now. You're right, you dropped out Mississippi State. They were out. Uh the largest inverse inverse of that, Houston had an 11 spot jump, was 18 on the day after the title game, and now GP's got the Cougs at number seven close behind. And FYI, you had Kansas number 10 the day after the title game. And now you've got the Jayhawks, number one in the country. Teams that are not ranked that were back then, UCLA, Auburn, Iowa State, Xavier, Mississippi State, Missouri were ranked in April. They have been replaced by USC, Texas, North Carolina, Illinois, Villanova, Mm. and St. John's. So just cool to see how your rankings evolve over the course of seven months. Obviously, a lot of transfer movement and draft declarations inform that. Uh, a lot of these teams only move two or three spots, but you do have some significant stuff. And there you have it. We'll see. When the, when the information changes, I change with it. I change with it. I just, hey, you don't mind me saying? On June 1st, the top 25 and one updated. June 1st. And the top three were Kansas, Purdue, and Duke. I've had those three schools, one, two, and three, since June 1st. And if you go to FanDuel right now and click on college basketball, odds to win the NCAA tournament, we have three co-favorites at plus 1,100, and it is Purdue, Kansas, and Duke. The same three schools that have been one, two, and three in the top 25 and one since June 1st. As somebody who does this the entire offseason, I can't tell you how many times you get called an idiot because... You're overrating Kansas. Hunter Dickinson sucks. Oh, my God. Purdue 
Again, did you not watch the Fairleigh Dickinson game? And then you're either underrating Duke or overrating Duke, depending on who you're talking to. And I just sit back and I just sit back and watch it all wash over me. And then I go over to FanDuel and I go, hold up. I thought people said I was an idiot. But on June 1st, I identified the three schools that will start the season as co-favorites to win the NCAA tournament. Sorry for being right. If you missed our season preview, which aired on CBS Sports Network last week, uh, refresh on our final four picks. GP's got Kansas over Purdue in the title game. He's also got Duke and FAU making the final four. It's just beautiful. I've got Purdue over Arizona in the title game. I like to get a little bit looser with the picks. I've got AM and I've got Texas in the final four. Although Julius Marble being on AM factored into my pick, he is currently suspended for undisclosed reasons. For whatever reason, he has got into a fault. Uh, got into a fight with Naquan Tomlin. Don't know. Would that, that be something? Case. Regardless, if he is not available, I wouldn't have picked. If uh, we'll see. If if you told me he wasn't on the team moving forward for whatever reason that may be, uh, I think I'd slide Marquette in there. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna run through this real quick. Kyle Boone's final four. Purdue like me to win it. He's got him over Creighton. He's got Kentucky and UConn in the final four. That's strong draw. Kyle Boone. David Cobb has Kansas winning the national championship. He also has them over Arizona like me. How about that? He's got Purdue there. He's got Michigan State. Jerry Palm has Kansas over Purdue. So he has the same title game outcome as... Oh, I bet that broke his heart to do that. Every one of us has Purdue in the title game. Some of us have him. Matt Painter. I don't like to see that. I don't like it. Matt Painter, don't. I don't don't like that at all. Kansas over Purdue. He's got Duke getting there. He's the only one with Marquette. Then uh, Cameron Salerno, who joined our staff over the offseason. Welcome aboard, Cameron. Uh, he has, Speaking of Cameron, he's got Duke. Oh, it's all it's all coming together, isn't it? The guy named Cameron, he's got, he's got, he's got Duke in the title game. How dare he? Um, he's got him winning over Purdue, Creighton, and then he's got USC there as well. You can see those final four picks and projected champions uh, up on the site, up on the CBS Sports app. And in typical... Norlander and GP style. We went an hour 15 plus on this podcast. We didn't have a single damn game result to talk about. We're out of our minds. Might be out of our minds. But that's that's a show. It's hard to keep it under 115. I mean, November rains like nine minutes by itself, you know? It's true. Tough situation. How does November rain start? Can you get the lyrics? Can you get the first four lines right off the top I of your think, head? I think the first... I think the first four words are when I look into your eyes or something like that. Is that it? When I look into your eyes, I can see a love restraint. There you go. But darling, when I hold you, don't you know I feel the same as when I had Philip Petrushev? (laughs) That's it. We're done. All right, it's time to go. Wednesday morning. Oh, let's give a, a quick programming heads up here. So GP's got his, um, he's got his Grind City Media Show. Also does it on YouTube, and that goes from uh, what ten a.m. ten Central, eleven Eastern, to whenever I decide I'm done to, talking. To one Eastern, so whenever he's done talking. So with that in mind, before we really, you know, for the foreseeable future, we are going to have our Wednesday and Friday live shows. If you want to watch it on YouTube in real time. Uh, 9 a.m. Eastern start times for the foreseeable future. And if, if things need to change because of schedules, they will. But generally speaking, Sunday, 
we hit that window when game results are done. Try not to interfere too much with uh, with the big football stuff. And then Wednesday and Friday shows it's earlier this season. It was later last season, 9 a.m. Eastern time. You can catch up on the momentum from the night before. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to, shouts to South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle legend. Shouts to Huck, Larnell. And shouts to Scott Drew. Hold on. I got to get I gotta get in here for one more thing. I had two people reach out to me. Huh. They say, get you got to decide. Huh. Get Huck the hell out of there. Why? Huck was only included because we booted Terry Teagle. Oh. So you got to make a decision right now. Huck's no. only in that mix because of Terry Teagle's, you know, two and a half year banishment from the program. That's right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Two people found me on that one. Said, Listen, How is it possible two people remember? I, it's, isn't that crazy? The origin of Huck, and I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't remember this whatsoever. Uh, hold on. I got to I gotta see what this. Let's see if I can get this up in time. Hold on. Where was it? It was, uh, it said, let's see if I can find it. Hold on. Um, I don't know if I can get to it in time. I don't have Well, like, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Huck's now a part of it. And is Huck the, still alive? The only way he's not a part of it is if you remove him. And I was just reading a Dear Jane column earlier today. Do you ever read Dear Jane? I do not. Okay. I love Dear Jane. People write to Jane. She apparently has the best advice in the world. And uh, so they write to her and they say, Hey, Jane, I got a problem. Can you help me? And then she tries to help them. And then I try to, I read these and then I go, okay, if that was me, what would I do? I try to, it's a, it's a thought exercise. I put myself in these people's positions. And so I was just reading a dear Jane today. And uh, so this woman explains, she's like me and my husband, we're best friends. We love each other. We've got the best marriage ever. My husband decided he wanted a dog. He always wanted a dog. I never wanted a dog, but I love my husband. So I said, sure, baby. If you want a dog, let's get a dog. So he's so excited. He went out and got a dog and this dog came home and started uh, peeing everywhere, chewing up heels, just wrecking the house, barking all night. And at the, after two weeks, this lady looked at her husband and she said, uh, I can't live like this. This dog is ruining our house. I can't sleep at night. We have, I know I told you you could get the dog, but this ain't going well. And I, my whole life has been uh, turned upside down. We got to get rid of the dog. He said, but I love this dog. I've always wanted a dog. And you told me I could get a dog. She said, I can't live like this. So they took the dog back. All right. Just gave it back. Just like, like they had a receipt. And it was like, can we return this dog? But now the woman says her husband barely talks to her. They haven't had sex since the dog was returned. This is what she told Jane. And uh, she said that the husband, his phone, his phone, screensaver. Used to be them, husband and wife. He changed it to the dog that they no longer have. So they were asking Jane, what do you do? And Jane was like, you probably should have just been patient with them and tried to let it work out instead of ripping this man's heart out. And uh, I feel like that's what I would be doing if I removed Huck from the... It could ruin my marriage. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> okay. won't. I regret even bringing it up. I do. I honestly do. I do. I regret it. I regret it all. Well, it was just... Uh, you should check out those Dear Jane columns. They're interesting. Five stars and nice comments. I am begging you. They're interesting. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them, and that needs to be reflected. If you tell your partner they can have a dog, 
be patient with them. Got this poor woman writing letters to Jane. Marriage is unraveling. It's tough out there. Everybody have a good opening to the college basketball season. We're going to talk to you again Wednesday morning. Till then, take care.